Welcome to the Plebeian Power Hour with your hosts, Tiffer and Kim. We are on episode three of our China discussion and our U.S.-China relations. And where we left off last time was about 2000, the United States um, Relations Act of 2000, where we had normal permanent trade relations granted with Clinton. 2001, China joins the World Trade Organization. And we kind of touched on um, Hong Kong because that becomes relevant in this episode where Hong Kong was given back from the British crown to China in 1997. They have until 2047 to integrate back into China. So at this point in 2000, you have Taiwan, who essentially has a separate government and you have Hong Kong, which doesn't necessarily have a separate government, but they do have a separate set of laws and expectations. And they operate and function different because they were ruled by the British crown, which is a democracy of sorts or like a capitalist country at the very least. And so they have a different way of life. So we're going to enter in. I have in 2001... The U.S. you know spy plane standoff. So this is where <laughs> the United States. Oh, let me just back up. South China Sea. There is a lot of issue with who owns what island. Nobody can decide, and with whatever conflicts they've ever had over the past two thousand years, nobody can really decide who owns what, and everybody's kind of particular. But there is this section where Vietnam claims the Hainan Islands or islands near Hainan. Hainan is an island. Um, but Vietnam claims it. And Vietnam says, oh, China can have them. But then after the war, they're like, they're ours. You know, so you can't have them. And the U.S. does not recognize China's claims. And I think they're called the Paracel Islands, Paracel Islands. So the U.S. is flying over there in a... Um, I want to call it a spy plane, but they don't call it a spy plane. They're just investigating stuff. And up comes this Chinese fighter jet and it crashes into the U.S. spy plane. So somehow, whoever's fault it is, they crash into each other. Personally, I'd like to blame the other country because <laughs> that seems like what we do. The U.S. spy plane is still capable of coming down so it lands on an island called Hainan Island now the jet the fighter jet is gone the the pilot's gone never found but the China holds the 24 crew members which I don't know why you need 24 crew members who knows what their mission was but they hold them for 11 days and this all happens at the very beginning of George W. Bush's administration so this 2001, he's, he's been in, I think this happened in April. And of course, it may have prepped him for some intensity in September. But the islands are just strategically placed. But this is, this is a very big conflict for U.S.-China relations because China accuses the United States of spying and being in their airspace and and you know, causing their plane to go down. And the United States is like, 
uh, like, what do we do here? <laughs> yeah, and the, and China essentially is holding United States military personnel yeah. mm-hmm. hostage. Hostage for 11 days. And then they wouldn't allow, because the plane could still fly, they wouldn't allow the plane to be flown off because that would be an embarrassment to the country. So they had them break apart the plane and then fly it off in helicopter bits, <sighs> like in bits from helicopters or from other carriers. But there's not a lot that happens, I mean, that I could find. And what's fascinating is when you go back and you're looking at all of this, there are gigantic gaps in what people report. Yeah. There's not a lot in the 2000s. In 2007, though, the Chinese military spending starts to increase dramatically. So in 2007, their increase is 18%. And China's like, well, we need better training and higher salaries, which is a lie. And you find out that most of the stuff that comes out of Chinese leadership is a lie. You always find out later, oh, they lied. But it's it's not to be trusted. And it's, it's not just them that does that, but yes. No, but honestly, when you look for the truth, it's never there. Yeah. So sometimes there's truth in other places. This is like you can just plan if it, your lips are moving. I know you're lying. Everything they say isn't based around t- truth. It's based around strategic. Yes. This is what is good to say. And at the time, their their military budget was $44 billion. That's what they'd raised it to. And the U.S.'s military budget was $623 billion. Okay. Today, their spending is $224 billion, and the United States has a budget of $2 trillion. Actually, that's 2020, so that's not necessarily today. What? But the U.S. military budget? Is $2 trillion. I don't think that's true. According, I thought it was like $898 billion, but Let me see where I got this information. It's, oh, you know what? This is from the Department of Defense. These are their Saying numbers. Saying that they got two mm-hmm. troops. And the numbers that I got from China are from the Chinese government. So who really knows? <laughs> that, that, that's probably important <coughs> to note. But... Sorry. Yes, that, that could be a lie. Um, I actually was on their website a couple of times, like in Chinese websites. And I'm like, I bet I have so much spyware on my computer now. Like, I... <laughs> It's terrifying to me. <laughs> I don't. There are very few times. There are a few times when my imagination gets the best of me, as you'll hear at the end of this episode, where I, like, I my train of thought goes into crazy land. And part of that was because when you look at their technologies and you look at the capabilities they have to spy on people, or everybody has to spy on people, it's quite intense. Yeah. Um. But in 2008, China becomes the U.S.'s largest creditor. So at current, we owe China one point, oh, I'm sorry, we owe Japan $1.1 trillion. We owe China $859 billion. And oh, <laughs> there's so much to say. So in 2010, China becomes the second largest economy because it takes over Japan and it has the capability and projection to take over the trajectory is the word I'm looking for take over America by 2027 
And and one thing that I want to point out with that is that they're talking in terms of essentially like GDP sort of thing. Yes. And if you look at what the United States GDP is made of, it's mostly things like services yes. and entertainment and other things like that. In pure production capability, as far as like manufacturing, China is already out producing the United States by almost double. It's kind of interesting. You can watch them put up an entire city in like a year. Like they they have the manpower. They have the resources. They have stuff. And it, it, it it's kind of overwhelming their capability. But as I said before, or maybe I missed it and just skipped over it in my notes, they are putting out a military the size of Britain's military every four years. So they are pumping out, and we'll talk about the Navy rise because that is... They they now have the largest Navy in the world, they China don't. does. They don't. They do not. Are and you sure? It is not the United States who is more, but we will laugh I about hear that, who that one is. In, a minute, <laughs> in a minute because I'm so excited to talk about that with you. <laughs> so in 2011, this is where the relations between China and America start to shift. Hillary Clinton. <laughs> U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton calls for increased investment into the Asia-Pacific region. The U.S. and eight other nations have the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and the only stitch comes is when China, oh, the only thing that China's upset about is Obama puts 2,500 servicemen Marines in Australia. So obviously an act of war practically. So humiliation. Humiliation. Why in the world would you do that if you have a trade partnership? And now I think they understand now that they have the second largest navy and America's third. So in twenty twelve, Xi Jinping becomes the Communist Party general secretary. See, this is where I get confused. I'm yeah. like is that mean you're the president? Because that's what I... <laughs> is that the supreme leader position? <laughs> that's what it seems like. But again, I, I get really confused yeah. too. Is I don't know how some of this works. Because I was looking... I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. I got to find it I already minutes, did. But, and I'm not going to... But when, when he comes in, I'm like, okay, he's the leader. And then I went to go look up somewhere. All right, who is the leader? And it, it's somebody else that I'd never heard of. Well, it's like the USSR. I mean, what, Russia. I didn't know that they had a president and a prime minister. And so, however, it's set up in China. I, I don't understand it like I thought I did. Deng Xiaoping is the oh, name. Oh yes. I but yeah, I don't necessarily understand, and it might be something. Like you said, the person who has the power, that, that could change. It it could be the premier, the president, yeah. the you know, head of the party. But when Mao was in he was Chairman Mao. Who is is he Chairman Xi? Like what was happening? I don't know. Yeah. But in two thousand twelve he becomes kind of the leader of China. Yeah, and at this time seventy percent of the leadership roles were turned over. So I don't know if he cleared them out. I don't know if they have some sort of fake elections. The, I don't know if they, they do have, have elections. The way I understand it is they they have some level of elections, but it's only the party members. You know, like, you, this isn't a public vote. This um, is the people in, say, 
a, a cabinet or whatever, and and they're only allowed. There is only one party in China, yes. and people in that party. Uh, my understanding is that they get together and they have a vote to see who takes power. So Xi wins that vote, and yes. my understanding is that that's when uh, he would then say, "All right, we're making." these changes and we're and and that's when the 70 percent is after he comes in he's going to adjust it to his style yes and at this time the u.s is losing the trade war with china china is selling far more earth metals which have international quotas so they have international law that they follow with their trade treaties and say i'm not going to sell more than this and flood the market well they keep flooding the market and selling more than they're supposed to so the international community says, hey, if you're going to use extra China metals, you need to have your factory in China, which, by the way, shoots everyone in the foot later. But China's mad. How dare they say that people should bring in their companies to China, which they actually love in the future. But um, in 2013, Obama invites Xi to the White House. And in 2014... The U.S. courts find five hackers from China guilty of stealing trade secrets and technology. And this starts playing into what our relations are like right now. And, and I find that really interesting because I was reading uh, something about uh, the Chinese corporate espionage sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And they did a, a, an interview with somebody who was in the U.S. cybersecurity. And he says, you know. My cybersecurity friends tell me when they hack Chinese sites, the only worthwhile tech they find is U.S. intellectual property. So, and another quote is was from an FBI guy who was talking about American companies. He says there's, you know, there's two types. There's the people who have been hacked by China and the people who don't know that they've been hacked by China. <laughs> so they, they've already gotten in. And, well, because Xi came in and he was really pushing the you know, one China policy. Well, he runs on essentially what is a make China great again. He he calls (laughs) it the great rejuvenation of China. That's what he kind of runs on. I've seen no red hats. I'm so confused. Yeah. Well, everything's red over there. But but, uh, he he runs on this, and and I don't think he cares about these, you know, laws. You know, and I don't think he's the first one. absolutely not. They don't. they have to pay, you know, some level of lip service and be like, oh, yeah, we won't do this. But I think it's very encouraged, whatever you can do to make China, you know, more technologically advanced, more whatever, you go ahead and do it. I believe that as China raises up to number one power, because they never played by the rules, no one will ever play by the rules with them. And I think that will be an interesting place to be because even people who play by the rules-ish, everyone plays by the rules-ish with them. No. So, so here's another thing that I was reading about. The, the, the U.S. pushes what it calls a rules-based order. And it goes to China and says, you know, you need to follow this rules-based order. And China's response is essentially uh, along the lines of, that's easy for you to say, you went up the ladder, kicked it down behind you. Now you want everybody to follow these rules, and that will keep you on top forever. So we don't want to follow your rules because 
we want to be the ones on top. So they don't care about the rules-based yep. order. They specifically call it out and say, that's just you trying to hold us back. This yes. rules-based order is just a thing you say to try and stop us from being better than you. Wet. Oh, we're getting into my tinfoil hat <laughs> territory. I'm so excited. So, <laughs> okay. I I want to hit the facts because I feel like the facts play in. But there was a document that I have somewhere in my notes where Xi is, has this India and China relations thing and he completely states this in his, in his thing. He's like, hey, we want um, to, to, you know, flip the, the world order. They're holding us back. We want to be in charge kind of thing. Like literally he says this with India. Now, I hadn't considered India because as I'm, oh, I got so many things in my brain right now. <laughs> the reason I did this is because we are having conflict with China right now. There's a potential war that's about to start. And I wanted to know why. And I couldn't figure out why. So I was like, hey, let's go back in the history. Let's figure out what these relations are. Because usually you can tell, right? You can see where it's not okay and you can see where it is. I could not tell. It is late night last night and I cannot tell. And then I see this thing with India and I'm like, oh, <gasps> and all of these pieces like click, 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 click. And this is tinfoil hat pieces. This is me making, a <laughs> this is, this is just me, but, um, Okay, I'm going to put a bunch of pieces together. We're just jumping right in here because I'm do too it. excited. Because <laughs> this is the good stuff. This is where, huh, like. Yes, this is the fun part where we've been building up That's right. We're not reading days. the history books anymore. <laughs> now we're expounding upon what we learned and come up with our own theories. Yes, and I'm going to see if I can get this out properly because there's a lot of pieces and my brain is just going. 2015, China starts making their own islands in the South Sea. They start building islands on top of reefs and they are placing military equipment on these newly constructed islands. They are pounding out bunches of ships. They are getting so much going. And in 2017, Trump comes in and gets a call from the Taiwanese president saying, congratulations on being in office, takes that call. China's pissed. Trump says, hey, we still believe in the one China policy. And then... Oh my gosh, okay. TikTok. TikTok, right? TikTok. We've heard of TikTok and how it might possibly be used to spy. If you combine AI with TikTok, what do you have? An instant propaganda person. You have somebody who can instantly get any information to absolutely everybody in another country. TikTok is quasi-government owned. It is technically government Which, owned everything in china is everything that way is because that way. china's mm -hmm. even though they've made a market economy they basically still say but we as a government can do mm -hmm. you know we, we we really still as the communists we have full control so we'll let you use the market economy to, to build yourself up and whatever and, and get rich but we still have mm -hmm. full control if we want it trump said you need to sell to an american company Biden said, no, you don't. So when Biden came in, Biden said, you don't have to sell to 
an American company. If they sell to an American company, then the government does not have access to all of that information in China. So that's a thing. So, um, oh, I have a bunch on TikTok. I'm skipping that. So you have them building up their military, right? And massively huge. I got to find my numbers, you guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> Mike Pence goes over and makes a speech in China and says, hey, I'm kind of, you know, we're kind of worried about how you're being aggressive militarily. Like, you haven't explained why. You have no external threats that any of us can see. Like, and it, it's kind of concerning to us that you are doing this. And the China Foreign Affairs Minister says, hey, if you start accusing us of stuff, it's going to affect our relations. And this is when Canada arrests the Chinese telecom CFO, Meng Wanzhou. And then she's extradited to the United States. She is the CFO of a company that we talked about before, Huawei, right? Huawei, which is a uh, uh, telecom, telecom they make company. Like, uh, phones she is and... found to have been breaking national security. She is selling stuff to Iran, and they. that's when Trump starts saying his crazy stuff about how we're not going to use Huawei products to build 5G networks, claiming that they use it to spy because they did. They were using it to spy. So you have, oh my gosh, it's, it's not happening. It's getting stuck. <laughs> okay, jumping straight to the, the tinfoil hat. No more facts. You have the largest Navy in the world is actually owned by North Korea. I don't believe that. Neither do I. I think if you were to ask North Korea that, yes, that is true. Oh we have gosh. the biggest by far. So funny. They say that, I mean, by far, by far, if you look up the stats that they are giving people, um, China, who has probably the largest military, has... Second behind North Korea. <laughs> second behind North Korea, has uh, 400 and something ships in their navy and america they took uh it was about 2016 that america and china had about the same size navy and then china just kept going and it's huge and they now have essentially essentially the largest navy so russia has 370 active ships North Korea has 630 combat vessels, they say. China has 417. So if just taking these guys and North Korea at face value, there are 1,400 ships. Now, you probably can't take North Korea at face value, so about 1,100, right? The United States has 485 ships. The United Kingdom has 70. Japan has 170. Australia has 36. And South Korea has 160. You put all of those together and you have 921. But wait, there's more. Because Canada does have 68 ships, but India has 295. So if you just replace India, because remember... 
Xi goes over and talks to India and says, hey, we need to, you take Russia, you take India, you take China, and you take North Korea, and they have everybody out-navied. It is, would be the largest collaboration Navy in the entire world by far. And so here I am, and I'm like, oh my gosh, China has quite a lot of land in the United States that they have purchased. Not a ton, though. There are other countries with more. And that they use for, like, farming and things of that nature. Um, But they will have the capability. Because I had thought that only the United States had nuclear submarines. China does indeed have at least six and probably is lying about how many because the United States won't say how many they have either. uh, Nuclear submarines. So that means that you can stay in your nuclear submarine until you have to get food. Like you are just capable of being underwater for months and months and months. So to block off any supply trade to the United States is the only thing prayer they have because they can't attack on land. If you do an international missile and cause any kind of damage, you're going to be ruined, right? And it was really funny because I was going through the nuclear uh, numbers and China... I mean, nobody's telling the truth, and we have to acknowledge that. China had... Um, 400? I got to find my paper. I hate I hate that I don't just have this memorized because it's good stuff. I did mark it with a highlighter. There we go. It is believed that China has more than 1,500 nuclear warheads, and they are increasing that number every day. United States has about 3,700. And at its peak, this is a fascinating fact, the United States in 1967 had 31,000 nuclear warheads. See, that's not, I thought that they maxed out around 10,000. No, they did not. (laughs) They had 31,000, though I don't know where my citation is on that one. But, um... When, so what I think is going to happen, and this is tinfoil hat, is they are going to try to break the economies of all of the people who are technically in the quote unquote top tier right now so that they can become the new world order. Because I can't think of another reason why they would do this except they want to be in charge. I can't think of a strategic so, anything they're doing fine economically i cannot figure out any other thing except personal gain so i think it mostly is like a personal gain sort of thing but uh if you listen to what they say basically what they're try- suggesting is that they're tired of the u.s being on top and thinking that they get to dictate how everything works and they want a multipolar. uh world where you know similar to what it was when there was the soviet union where the u.s doesn't just get to say something because the soviet union had you know roughly equal power so there was kind of this conflict well once the soviet union fell the united states kind of just took the the top dog position and has been able to kind of dictate uh, a, a lot you know worldwide because of their economic and military power, is that they get to kind of push and say, this is the way I think things should be, and who could stand up against them. 
So yes, what and I they think say they want to be that. is that they want a multipolar. You know, I, I don't know that they're saying they want to be the only one on top, but they're suggesting like, you know, oh, having no. just the U.S. there is bad for the world. Hey, as a U.S. citizen who is not part of all the international relations, I can say that I don't think that we think, you know, that other people shouldn't have a say. But I do think if China and Russia became on top, they would not give a crap what anyone had to say. I, I think that that's more likely, but I also think that's citizen talk. I think if you were to go ask a Chinese citizen, you know, if China was the top, you know, dog in the world, would they abuse other nations? Oh, no. They, you know, they would be <laughs> generous and nice and but do whatever. At, no. No. I, I am positive yeah, if you America go ask Yeah, but America doesn't them. think that their selves are generous and nice. But if you if you take away, you know, the the Russian influence in elections, right, over the last while, and in the Russian influence, um, and I imagine China's probably doing it too, to stir the pot when it comes to like racial issues and things like that, where they're just really been found to be like pushing it, and they have like these bots or people that like try to muddy up waters to get. Essentially, maybe like a civil war esque type thing. Yeah, happening. they like to push extremist thought. Yes, in it to to disrupt, and and I mean people have been doing this throughout time, but we're just falling victim to it. But there was a letter that Xi Jinping put out in uh, in March March twentieth of twenty twenty three, and it it was when he had gone to visit Vladimir Putin. And he says, China and Russia are each other's biggest neighbor and comprehensive strategic partner of coordination. We are both major countries in the world and permanent members of the UN Security Council. Both countries uphold an independent foreign policy and see our relationship as a high priority in our diplomacy. And he goes on to talk about the... um, about just how they view their relationship and and over time. But what I found was really interesting about this is I found this, and I am only an English speaker. It is on their national website in English. And I was like, is this what they, is this what people do? Like, but he's talking about, you know, it's not in Russia, it's not in, and I'm like, this is for everyone to know. Thanks to the joint efforts of both sides, China-Russia trade exceeded 190 U.S. dollars, 190 billion U.S. dollars, up by 116 percent from 10 years ago. And they talk about how they have a strategic partnership, and then um, the international stage and how they fulfilled their responsibilities. And it just gives this impression that there is going to be a I don't know. It, like, it gave me the impression that they are trying to become top dog. And, and regardless, they, uh, my guess is they are trying to become top dog. And what I kind of think is that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, like, wanting to be the best or whatever, like, that's not something you would necessarily fault anybody for thinking. It, but it's it does if it requires a war and ruining another country for you to get there. So, I think from like China's perspective, they aren't looking, you know, for a war. Like they're not 
going out and uh, then why do you build build a gigantic navy? Um, let's say, for example, that there was a country that built fifty bases surrounding your country. The country did not build those fifty bases because what Tiffers are referring to right now is the fact that the United States is currently building and has constructed about fifty bases down the ar- archipelago. So they've got them Japan all over Japan, and, Korea. Korea, uh, they're they're building in some in the Philippines, Philippines right now. They've got them down, I think Australia and Singapore. Yeah, and 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 they are. I mean, you already have your Guam and your places like that already in the Indo Pacific, but it was two thousand seven that they start. I mean, none of the bases are new since two thousand seven. That's not true until China starts upping their game because they left America left the Philippines in the 90s and they were leaving places and then it wasn't until China starts building up its military and crazy building up its military and when they say hey how come you're building up their military your military oh well they're not going to go to the United States and say well it's because you got us surrounded so they're all you don't really say that to the person in power. <laughs> you, you don't say, it's it's for you, silly. You know Why would you be building up your military? Well, to match your military. Well, that would be the reason. I that is the only reason. Out. But tell me this. Why would the United States reinforce the area? So here's, there. there's two theories, and I can't figure out which one that, that I really sit on. So, um... Uh, the the economic warfare kind of thing that's going on, which is what I think China's really doing. I don't think China wants to have a military war. Why? I think they want to have an economic, because I think they think they can win an economic war. They're crushing us economically. They're set to win. They're doing whatever. They've got the, the bricks, which they put together, where they've taken Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, and 40 other countries are trying to get in they have where they're starting to essentially what they're trying to do is get people off of trading with the dollar. So the dollar is what most international trade is done in, regardless of country. They say 80% of all international trade involves using dollars. But what difference does it make? If we are using yen, why in here's, the world would Here's it make what a difference? difference it makes. And in... Uh, 2023, United States Congress held a, a session to talk about the de-dollarization of the world, where these other countries are trying to get people off the dollar. What they say is that the dollar, having the dollar be the dominant trading um, mechanism across the world, gives the U.S. tons of power for sanctions. If you want to sanction a country and you say, you cannot use dollars, they lose a ton of trade. They cannot trade with so many countries because most countries, the, the, the thing about the dollar is it's stable and that you can always get your dollars. You know, the, the people are worried about using the Chinese yuan or renminbi or whatever. Is that not a yen? Is that Japan? What yeah, is? I think theirs is the yuan, which is gold back, and then their normal currency, I think, is renminbi. But 
the people don't want to use that because they're worried that China will just be, yeah, we're right. not we're not gonna you know let you have the money that you think you have. Whereas the U.S. that's part of their system is, you know, what what makes the dollar so great is we say you have a dollar that dollar is always going to be worth something until the United States falls. But but the dollar is unless but in this congressional meeting that they have they bring in five experts and they say you know why is this important they said another thing that it gives the united states is it it essentially um, gives us more buying power we print money and that lets us buy what we want so the reason that we don't export as much as we import because we just print money and people want it Uh uh-oh to the that American people, like a it it it's the equivalent. Uh, essentially, they say of giving the American people a fifty billion dollar discount on goods. So if the do- if there was a de-dollarization, the American people would have to pay more for foreign goods. So that's what people are mostly worried. And I've read stuff. I don't know what to think of this de-dollarization bricks sort of thing. Because I've read people who just say, like, it's a fantasy that anybody could get rid of the dollar right now. But I think that that's more the intent is that China wants to, let's get everybody off the dollar. And let's get everybody doing something different. So this BRICS organization is set to add 40 more countries to join into their trading uh, system. And And what do they use as their currency? Dollars. Right now? But their their intent is to change that. So Brazil and China just decided we're not using dollars anymore. They don't use dollars. When they trade between themselves, they quit using dollars. And they, that's what is happening is these countries stop using dollars in their trade. They're talking about doing a gold-backed currency, which if you look, China and Russia have been buying up gold recently. So that what they're saying is they want to put out a gold-backed currency that would then replace the dollar as the international trade That would be really interesting in the day of digital money. Like yeah. when you have Bitcoin and digital digital currency, because I, I think that's where everyone wanted to go is a for real digital currency. There, there are a lot of people, and the, that, the people who are pushing Bitcoin were saying, hey, this is a decentralized thing. Nobody will get to own this. You should do this. And the governments are like, we don't want a decent. We want to own it. And we want to control yes. how much you know, coin there is. Where, so, so I have a – are you done? I'm sorry. Well, I don't so I was going to get into the conspiracy part of this. Oh, so that's the thing is that people are saying, okay, China is uh, trying to take on the U.S. economically. The conspiracy is that the U.S. sees that it's going to lose that war. It cannot compete economically with China right now. I mean, we have the resources. We don't have the mentality, and we don't, you know, we're, we're losing we in a lot of ways. we don't care. We don't care because the dollar the out there is, is actually really good for us. But if we start, if our people start getting poorer, we will care. But I also think that would be good for our country. It probably would because that's <laughs> so, what that's so what happens to China, it. and it pushes 
it pushes you to say, okay, we have to, yeah, we, we have, have to, to do manufacturing. You can't we have just to watch do this. TikTok all day. Yeah, we, we we would need to change our behavior, which I think would be a benefit to America. So yeah. I am not. But the the threatened. conspiracy part is that U.S. feels threatened economically. They feel like they're going to lose. But if you can start some sort of war, you can win a war. And if you win the war, you will put their economy in the same thing that happened after, say, World War II. European economy went to shambles. The U.S. took, you know, top dog spot. This is what I think Russia and China are doing to America. I think Russia, when they invaded Ukraine, were trying to get NATO to pull in. Yeah. I think that they took over Ukraine. I think they destroyed their black fleet so that they could have their access points. I think they still have Turkey to worry about. But if they get out from Turkey with all their fleet and they have India on their side, that they can like refuel all their things or whatever in Turkey, I mean in India, then they're they're out and they're fine and they're fighting and they're doing whatever they want. But But I think when nobody pulled in, I feel like that's when China started upping their aggression in Taiwan. So I'm like, I feel like these guys are collaborating together to be like, we want to start this war because I think they know they're going to win the war. And I think they are trying that tactic on everybody else. And it's interesting because we do have that treaty with Taiwan that says, hey, we'll help defend you. That I think they have been working autonomously for 80 years. Like, at what point do you say, hey, I don't need to babysit you anymore because you have been an autonomous government for 80 years? And Or at what point do you say, hey, China, leave Taiwan alone? Date. The 2025? 20, 2024, <laughs> when the United States replaces the factories that are building the silicon oh, chips yes. in Taiwan. So Taiwan is so crucial right now because it produces those chips. Yes. They are making, they invested $50 billion in the CHIPS Act to build replacement factories so that we build them in the United States. Yes. Once we have that, our incentive to protect Taiwan goes down. Okay, but here's the thing that makes me tie into my my tinfoil hatness is I think, okay, China wants Taiwan, right? And you're, you could say it's for microchips, but t- China has the money, the infrastructure, the capability to build their own microchip maker place kind of. also they do kind of how how kind of so the technology that you need to make microchips is extremely hard the united states controls that technology as part of the chips act they said china does not get to have any of this technology whoa so china cannot build the same level of chips that the united states gets so in this AI sort of war is if you're building something and you say AI is important and it requires these high-level chips, China, you don't get any. And we went to, there's a maker in, I think it's Denmark, that makes these ridiculously hard-to-make sort of lasers. And you, you have lasers and then you have um, kind of, Uh, like mirrors and lenses that focus the lasers. And those mirrors and lenses are so hard to make. You can tell people, this is what you have to do. Nobody can do it. You have to polish these things down to a level where as close as you can look, you can't see 
any sort of layered. Yeah. So it, it, they're very hard to make, and we're cutting China out. And we're saying you can't have anything. And, and that's one of the things that people are saying with the bases that we're building around China and with the CHIPS Act where we're saying you don't get to compete with us on the, these silicon chips. We'll take the good stuff and we'll leave you anything that that's, you know, like current oh. level technology. Okay. We'll let you have this older stuff, but we won't let you have the good stuff. People are saying that's kind of uh, the way I would look at it is like when you have a kid or whatever and you got two kids together and one of them's like, I'm not going to touch you, but they just start putting their fingers close to the I person and I they're waiting <laughs> for the person to smack them. That's what people are saying the U.S. is doing to China is we're building our bases around you. We're cutting you off economically from these things. Really? And we're waiting for the that China that is what to, I feel like China's doing. It, and it could be because there is that second side. If you mm-hmm. go to why one of the reasons that there's so many bases being around, yes. built around China is you go to the Philippines, for example, there's four bases being built. Yep. The Philippines initially uh, started trying to get more pro-China and working with China. Yep. And what they found is China was not very nice to them. No. And China this... would be like, okay, and they would come in and they would take the um, kind of where the Philippines were doing their fishing. Yep. And China would be like, now this is where we fish. And Philippines is like, this is our land. You know, this is our yeah ocean this is our where we fish and china would be like not anymore and so the u.s steps in as the protector of the little guy so those are the two things is is the u.s the aggressor that's trying to force china into a fight or is the u.s the protector of the little guy who's like we're not going to let you go in and abuse countries like the philippines and like Taiwan. Taiwan and, uh, you know, all these well, other places. that is why I keep thinking that this is their idea. Because the Philippines tried really hard to get America out, and they did in the 90s. And now they are inviting them back in. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, it's but really hard But there is more side to that, too. Is that there? Is, and this is where I don't know what is going on. Oh, no. So. Who does? Somebody might, but. The, the example that I know is is Japan. Uh, if you go, I was reading some of the documents looking into this thing, and China is talking about Japan, and they're saying there was a somebody in Japan who was trying to strengthen uh, Japan Chinese relations, and that the U.S. essentially came in and said, "Get that person out and put this new person in," which is similar to what happened, what what people are saying in Ukraine is that in 2014, the U.S. said, no, put a pro-U.S. guy, not a pro-Russian guy, in your government. And so in 2014, there was a revolution, and there are YouTube clips of the ambassador to Ukraine, in of the United States ambassador to Ukraine, before the revolution, saying, here's who we should put in power in Ukraine. And, and that has been published, where, where you can go listen to the entire thing, and the U.S. has acknowledged it and says, yeah, we're just talking theoretically, you know, like people do that. You don't know if it means anything, but in the Philippines, they had Duterte in charge. He recently got kicked out, and, was, and Marcos, I think, was the one who was put in, and Marcos is pro-U.S. So the counter thing is that the U.S. is propping up the people that they like in these 
countries. So when I think of it, you know, like distantly, like a hundred years ago, I understand why people do that, but I don't understand. Is this purely economic? Like, um, it, it could if be. It, if it were the United States, I don't understand. I understand protecting the little guy, which I actually hate. Like, I remember somebody said, is, you know, as we go forward, is the United States just going to be the world's police force? Because nobody else has the capability. And so as I see China getting bigger, and I'm like, I don't think China historically has any compassion for the little guy. And so I'm like, are are they going to be, like, helping anybody? Or are they going to just be the problem? Like, but as I, as I, I'm like, I can't figure out, I can't figure out why such a gigantic shift or any kind of adjustment I can, is a good deal for your country because I can see if you want you know Ukraine Ukraine had already been wanting to be in NATO before 2014 that was one of the reasons that that Russia came in is because they say yep we're gonna do NATO we're gonna join over here oh no no we're actually gonna do this and then there was an uprising and all those things that happened with the people but it it just I mean, I can understand why you would want someone sympathetic to you. I think that's how we vote for people in our government now. We say, oh, I don't want that guy. I want this guy because he's more what I believe. I think, you know, that's that's how I can understand that. But I can't understand how these, I don't know, because, again, I'm, I'm using my own theory, why, why this matters so much to anybody. And... and- I don't necessarily know either, but I really do think that once you get up into these higher levels, you know, for us as normal Americans, we're, you know, we don't care. But let's say yeah. that you are, um, that like, like if you were to go ask Trump, you know, should the U.S. be the greatest country in the world? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Other people won't necessarily say it, even if they think it, they'll they'll give the politically correct response, you know, no, everybody, we're all in this together and we're all good people. But there are people that, regardless of what they say, believe, and and I wish I had the quote, but like in the U.S. security strategy thing that was put out, which the U.S. Uh, released their security strategy for 2022. Yeah, that was that video I sent you. And, and the they talk about things, it. but one of the things that they mentioned in there is just along the line, it, it, they're just saying, Oh, and China is trying really hard to become, you know, the the top economic power. And I think so. You, you know, why would that yeah. change your response? But part of the response in the, you know, U.S. security thing is in response to China trying to be top dog is, no, we're not going to let that happen. That is part of the U.S.'s best interest but to be why? on top. I understand that it could be best interest, but I don't think being on top is as fun as everybody thinks it is. I think you have, like, okay. Well, I have, so look, I, here's here's the counter. Okay. Think of how hard the average American works and what they get. And think yeah. of how hard people in other countries work and what they get. Economically, the U.S. does better, and because of that, their people are more we'll say pacify, you know, whatever, it has an effect on the people who rule the country. You would want to be on top. I can understand it. I really can. But when I look, 
at one of the things that ties into my theory is I think that Russia, before they started war the second time with Ukraine, they became fairly autonomous. They they had very little debt. They made most of their stuff themselves. They didn't get a lot of foreign anything from anybody so that they could function without the need yeah. of other people. And so when someone else takes the role of being the person that everyone's going to and everyone's doing, you can then, like the, like the Soviet Union, I'm not saying they were incredibly successful. I am just saying that I think partially because of their form of government, but I'm saying that they were able to say, oh, we collapsed and now we work autonomously pretty well and we've, we've built up ourselves in this way. And I think that if America did that, it would be very, very beneficial for America to be able to function more without the need of foreign things. And I can understand why it doesn't work well economically and that, but honestly, I don't think our country is better now than it was 20 years ago because it is missing those things. And so to me, I'm like, yeah, go ahead, China, like go ahead and, and take on <laughs> all the annoying people that are like, hey, oh, we had a this, we had an earthquake, and we had this, and like, go to China. Like, As I say, we're China gonna... doesn't tolerate it. You no, know, that, and, that's the difference. Is that? But that... it won't be our responsibility anymore. We could just focus on our own country for a while. But the, in my opinion, the only way to really do that right now, it, it like something has to change Americans' mentality. Agreed. And and. Because I don't right know now what we that have is. massive, like thirty-two and, trillion and you can dollars. And get into debt. crazy sort of conspiracy theories about what that is. You know, like uh, one of the things that they say is you need the public to unite around something. Yes. And so you try and come up with a villain. For the Nazis, you pick the Jews. Mm -hmm. For the Chinese, you pick the Americans. You know, for the Americans, so you, the Americans you pick climate them? change, or you pick or UFOs, Chinese. or you pick immigrants, <laughs> or you pick China. Yeah. You know, so so having, you know, which is one of the things when you see a lot of this rhetoric going against China, is you don't know, is that just us going, okay, maybe we can use these guys, you know, to, to unite people. I, I have it no idea. It could be, because the military spending started increasing at 2020. So... It is kind of around, you know, the same time that Russia's starting to, you know, yeah. invade. And as well, after that, China's threatening to invade. And that's, I'm sorry, I can't get over the fact that I think that those two are correlated because they are such good friends. Well, I they're do not think necessarily they're good friends. Blend. What You're they right. are is they have Frenemies. a united enemy. <laughs> yeah, they have a, they have a common goal of kind of taking the u.s down a notch essentially I, I was talking to my husband about this and i was like what do you think and he's like no <laughs> and i was like i don't know because but i and he's like well what do you think long term with this and i think long term i think those two superpower people cannot cannot function because they're both the type of personality that can't work with someone else making any kind of calls for and so when it works for them, okay. But I think as soon as there requires any diplomacy, I mean, look at the history of China. Anyone offends them, diplomatic off the table. Like it, I'm like, and I think Russia's fairly similar. So I'm like, you put oh, two hard-headed so, people that way, 
you're not getting a long lasting thing if any kind of conflict comes up, which I, so here's, here's what my imagination says. If there is a war and, and economically or, or cutting off supplies or an economic downfall to the United States because of these two groups. And if they do put a, an EMP bomb thing over the United States and bust all of our chips and whatever, and, and we go through a difficult time. I think China and Russia will absolutely rocket ship high together for a while. And then I don't think it will be hard to do those little things where you're like, well, this one called you this and that one called you that. And this one said this. <laughs> and we, then the we United wouldn't States have to do any of that. Regroup. They'll do it themselves. <laughs> it's true. It, it, it's and true. it's just the way that it kind of is. And it's just the way. I, I mean, one of the things that I think, though, is if they do an EMP thing, they that's not the end. You know, we do it to them. They know th- right. this is the mutually assured destruction. You press that button, the same thing is going to happen to you, you know, at least the same level. And my guess is that it's going to be, you, you know, you're getting the tenfold retribution, you know, like that. Well, because you smack me once, I smack you ten times. That you did that to somebody. So if you if you EMP somebody, which is for those of you who don't know, it is the the blast that comes after. It's called an electromagnetic pulse explosion in the air for is what we're talking about and referencing at this time. So if one of those China balloons comes over and it has a nuclear weapon attached to it and that weapon goes off and explodes in the upper atmosphere, there is an electromagnetic pulse that will come down and destroy all electronics, microchips that are in its radius, which if it's up in the higher atmosphere will be about roughly the size of Texas, like huge. And because those balloons, we don't really, at our awareness at this point, have a way to take them down. And even if we could take them down, they have a nuclear bomb attached to them. So uh, what do we do? But, um, you know, there are ways of, of submitting people without actually having a nuclear weapon touch the land. And, but I don't think it would be to the detriment of the United States for very long. I think maybe 30 years, and then I think... I mean, that's a long time. It's a long time, but I think that they would eat themselves, and then we would have regrouped how we formulate our country, and we would come back in a good way. And 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 that's one of the reasons that I... think we would get Australia in there, too. I I mean, we don't even need to... We have the nuclear missiles, and I don't even know what we're doing in space. We've signed a treaty that says we won't do nukes in space, and yes. so is everybody. But if something happens, we would fight you know, back. Like It's not that China and Russia would rise, because they're going to go through the same thing. It's going to be 30 years for them before they can stand the same. You know, They're not going to get away scot-free. So I, like, I don't necessarily... The thing that I worry most with that would be more along the lines, and and this is one thing that I uh, potentially worry about, but uh, you you go poke at North Korea to be like, hey, you should go, you should do this. You should go nuke the, you know, U.S. or whatever. North Korea does it, and then China goes, oh, these crazy North Koreans, Uh, we'll smack them for you, you know, and and then China walks out unscathed or whatever, and North and, and that's North a potential Korea, possibility, but I don't know. With their gigantic navy. That's right. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, but and, and I have no idea what to expect with any of this because in my own head I can't figure out is the U.S. being more aggressive or more and and I don't think you have the information because like but I think it's the military spending that shows that Russia and China started first. So when well, you look at no. the military spending for the United States, it's down until 2020 Hold, and then it starts. But when you up. say down, it's still double what either of those two spend together since the 80s. So the U.S. started way before, and then when yeah, everybody we're else... doing training and having people have higher wh- When other people started to <laughs> co- catch up, hey, how dare you spend, you know, one quarter what we spend? We're increasing ours. Like, that's exactly what's happening, and it's not exactly because the money doesn't translate one-to-one. But yeah. the U.S. started long before. The U.S. built up the biggest military in the world, and then we see other countries building up a military to rival our military, and we go, oh, you must be aggressive. Isn't that what people would say when we built up our military? Like, we already did this, and now we're mad that somebody else is doing the same thing that we yeah, did. Yeah, we built it up because we were we're such good attacked. people? No. So we built it, it up in the 80s. But we were attacked in the when? 40s. In the 40s, somebody literally came and destroyed all our ships. So we thought, oh my gosh, we need to have some ships over here and some That's ships true. over there. And Guess who else was here. attacked in the 40s? China. By who? Japan. Oh. But the not- same country that attacked <laughs> us, only they, Japan kicked the crap out of China. That's true. 20 million people died in China That's in true. World War II. It is not the same. You're they right. got clobbered to death, and we got punched in the nose. It's true. So they have just as, you know, like like literally what we have here is, the, is kind of the homerism is, you know, our team's the good guys, which I hope is true. I do too. And, and I really do think, if you were to ask me what I honestly believe, I think the U.S. is a better country than China. Well, I but think I also the freedom think... of speech allows more checks that allow that to be true, I think. Yeah. That we are allowed to criticize our own government and not be sent to But I, I don't think China is as bad guy. as what the rhetoric is right now. I think that the rhetoric is us being either trying to rally, all right, everybody, you know, here's our common enemy, China, unite, you know. But I don't think China has a terrible reputation except for this very thin sliver of um, Taiwan. I think Russia has a bad reputation. Russia has a bad reputation. I think they've proven in their attack in Ukraine that But China might have a hard, tougher Korea. reputation. You go over and ask the Philippines right now, what do you think? You know, there's a lot of countries that I don't know that they feel like China is that great. But I don't know because China had a Belt and Road Initiative. Yes. And they went out and were essentially lending money to poor countries and saying, hey, you know, build your infrastructure up. You know, we'll we'll help you pay for it. You know, you're going to pay us back, obviously, but we'll lend you this money and you can build up and become a strong, successful nation. So there yes, are might be a lot of people trade. who are, you know, pro-China in that respect. But And I honestly, to me... It doesn't seem like a detriment. Like, the Belt and Road Initiative sounds great. Like, 
a benefit to the world. <laughs> like, it, world and it trade. potentially could be. Yeah. But, and, and this is where I don't feel like I can get the, the good information because I've read several things and you don't know if this is that propaganda sort of thing. Yes. But people saying this is China abusing people is they go in and say, oh, we'll do this and we'll help you. Oh, and now you got to pay us back. And what they end up building isn't, you know, it, it essentially is over. They're being overcharged for what they got. So China's just raking in the money from building these subpar projects in oh, other. No. But I don't know if that's true because it sounds like propaganda. If well, you ask China, it'll be, you know, no, it'll be like North Korea talking about their Navy. This is the best thing in the entire world. <laughs> you know, like we built the most quality thing in this country. We have the best Navy. Look at that. Look at that skipper. <laughs> so, uh, and, and this is where I have such a hard time because I, I cannot tell what's good information and what's propaganda. But, I, you know, this brings me back to what I brought, touched on probably in the previous episode about East Tur- Turkestan. And I, I think I called it something else, too. I think you just called it Turkmekistan <laughs> or something. But anyway. Probably did. But it was, it was, you know, taken over by China. I feel like it was around um after world war ii or something like that after like with the communism i'm not really sure what happened i i did it's in some notes somewhere so, but not so the they took I over have. a lot after communists took over they went and took over uh several pieces over that they you know this was china same oh, way that russia says you know so ukraine was russia crazy. like it's a, we're allowed to take this over because this should belong to us and I, that is a mentality I just don't understand, but we're kind of from a country that just, and we bought a lot of our land, so enough of that from people, but we um, took over areas, and it, look, we found it, and it's ours kind of kind of a place. But East Turkestan was really a, a really highly Muslim area, because um, it kind of connects over to that region. And it had to have the Muslim populations. And now they are not allowed at all to participate in any um, Muslim activities. So they have Ramadan, right? In Ramadan, you are not allowed to fast during Ramadan. So they will come and they will check and make sure people are eating when they're not supposed to. I mean, when they're in, when you're when they should to be in fasting. Ramadan, yes. And so it's just, yeah. I just think, I don't. I mean, and, and that to me is that fascist like that, mentality is yeah. they don't want anybody to have different thought. They know the they best think. way. They want this everyone is, to follow the best way. What they call is correct thought. This is correct thought. And I don't know. I, I, I'm assuming that that kind of translates, but you can see that, that correct view and correct thought are things that show up in a lot of their uh, sort of speeches. Uh, is This is the correct thought. This is what the way you should think. And if you don't, we can fix that. Well, and that's why I think Russia and China would never be able to be partners. They wouldn't. In a way, for a long duration of time, because I think they're both this way, and I don't think they think the same way. And, and I had it in one of my notes, like, you know, the, you, you have the Cold War going on. You got the communists that are saying they're working together. I think it was the second Taiwan so this was after things soured a little bit after Stalin died Russian um, diplomats came to the US and said let me float this idea what if we were to bomb China's 
missile and nuclear factories. What what would you do? And they floated that to the U.S. and to Italy and a few others. Like, we would bomb you. <laughs> no. What is it? Well, we didn't answer, but basically the thought, so Russia's like, that would be advantageous for you, right? Because China's <gasps> building up this military. What? We would bomb, you know, them. Those sort of things, they... They already, even though they're joint communists, you know, will bring communism to the world, and we're they um, already cannot stay together. They can't work together, and that's just kind of the way it is. But I but don't know. it is really interesting what's going on. And one so, of the things that oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. The if if you read through a lot of what the Chinese are saying, that they're not necessarily worried so much about war as they are what they think is they're afraid that their system that their party is going to fall so if you read oh, their stuff they really? say it's an ideological thing they say if you go look at how but they're the ones that are breaking their own ideology <laughs> oh but that what they do so if you go listen to xi jinping in 2019 he gave a speech and in his speech he basically so they put out some um propaganda where they go tell everybody to you know private companies are good it's fine that there are private companies uh we should remember i I can't remember exactly what he was saying so here's from one of their this was in 2023 to promote the development and growth of the private and guide the society to have a proper understanding of the significant contributions and important role of the private economy and have a correct view of the wealth obtained by these people. And, and they go in, and, and then they, he goes in and has his 2019 speech, and he's, you know, socialism with Chinese characteristics. is yeah, <laughs> we do have this, and we got to remember, and he goes and says, um, he's worried that people will go back and look when we were you truly communists. characteristics? Well, they call it Chinese because they're not going to say capitalist, so it's Chinese characteristics. Oh. But he says... We have to discourage people from saying bad things about communism. When when we actually practice communism, the, the Great Leap Forward, the Cultural Revolution, bad things, you know, that's acknowledged as a bad time. So we have to kind of temper that and say, hey, we've adjusted. We now do this. We're still communists. We still, but it's a little different communism. We're adjusting with the way things roll. And they that's what they push out. But what they are afraid of is they're saying, Look at how Russia fell. Russia didn't fall. The communist Russia didn't fall from war. They fell because the ideological competition, they, they lost that. And that's what they're afraid of. And what they say with Taiwan, they're not afraid that Taiwan's going to take them over. They're afraid that having Taiwan exist as a capitalist society that does better than they do. So they say you got this Chinese, you know, the same ethnic group the same sort of thing and the people on taiwan are outperforming the people on china and that's Uh a black eye on the communist party so that's their big beef with you know they want the one china but having taiwan do so well makes them worried that people will look and say well maybe we got the wrong government maybe we should have taiwan's government so that's i think what they're most afraid of is that the people in power are going to fall from the people inside of China. Well, what's funny to me about this, with as little as I know, 
is I think, I don't think you're really all that different anymore. Oh, they're not. No. So I think it's funny that you're so afraid that people are going to look over there and think that's great when you're actually doing 80% of it over but, here But anyway. the difference, the thing that I always think is, it's not about the, it, the people in power don't care about being true to communism. They care about staying in power. So if they can't convince people that they're the right people to have in power, they will lose that power and somebody else will take it. They don't care that they're not communists. They don't care that they have capitalistic tendencies. And to me, they're just fascists. But they don't care. They're just, don't lose power. So whatever you have to say, to, you say to the to make the, the Communist Party populace happy is absolutely we're communists. Of course we're communists call ourselves you know we're the communist party but it's really but i do think that that's what they're most afraid of is that their their party is going to fall and realistically similar to the soviet union soviet union party fell wasn't good for russia the russian people uh it it hurts morale it changes things in other ways and i think that that's what they're afraid of is that china will potentially fall if their government falls because they'll lose the morale and whatever else. But, so I don't really anticipate a physical war, but I do think that the ideological fighting and the sword rattling and the whatever is going to hit a crazy level. Well, I, I think this will either be tiny or it will be huge. I don't think it'll be somewhere in the middle. I think it will be a dinky little sword rattle thing like look how strong my arms are (laughs) my steel is very strong or else i think it's going to be huge and and it does have the potential and if it gets huge this but like it could get ridiculously scary yeah bad but oh that was fun Yeah. I didn't get all my thoughts the way that I wanted them to and so that is my one regret well is there one thing you wanted to bring up or anything you wanted to no, I just, you know, I, but I still, unless it is huge or tiny, I can't wrap my head around why they care so much about Taiwan and why they care so much about Ukraine and when it's regarding Russia. I, I can't do it unless it's tiny or it's huge. Other than that, I, it makes no sense to me. It would be really interesting to, and I looked, I can't tell you how many hours I spent on it this week. But in the previous weeks as well, I've I've looked and I can't figure it out. Not that I'm an expert, but usually you can tell. See, and I can't figure out a lot of the, the current stuff. Like the big one to me is, you know, what does the U.S. want? You know, does the U.S. is the U.S. aiming for war? Because there's a bit of me that thinks that's what you have the CHIPS Act where you're saying, look, you can't have the cool technology. We'll have the cool technology. Uh, we're going to build bases around you. If you put them by us, we're, you know, we'll scream about it, but we'll build them essentially box your entire, you know, country in from the sea. We won't do anything bad because we're, you know. And I can't, I can't figure out why they do that. And, and I can't I either. Can't, I can't. Because, and I do think too that uh, there's information that we don't have. And that is what I keep thinking. Because if China, we could have communications from China that says, all right, if we can, take Taiwan we can go take over the world and so we, we like no we have to protect Taiwan is that the true only reason, how would I know the only reason Taiwan makes any sense is if they 
have an EMP blast and destroy America and then they take control of Taiwan and we don't get those chips. That's the only reason it makes any sense. I cannot make this make sense in any way unless it's absolutely astronomically huge or if it's dinky and it's just like... And and the Taiwan thing to me right now really is China just saying, we said we were going to take it. If we don't take it, that's a that's a humiliation, you know. If we say, you know, one China and we're going to take Taiwan and we don't do it, it's going to look bad. Like we can't do what we say we're going to do. I have so many. It, I know that we need to end. I know we need to because I have so much stuff about Hong Kong and how they, you know, changed all the laws in yeah. Hong Kong, which, the, you know, they promised them they would have until twenty forty seven, and then they changed everything in like 2020 i think it was or 2021 and there, there was a big you know the protests there were yes. massive they had millions of people out protesting and they've now made it a lifelong punishment like you can spend life in prison for denying your local government as in like their authority yeah so if you say anything bad against the local authority which has been implanted by mainland china yeah. then you are susceptible to a life in prison and, and so the like <laughs> and in crazy. hong kong the, there were a lot of like pro-democracy folks and and so they they're allowed to um they have their local elections okay put these people in power what china basically did was take anybody who isn't pro-china and they don't let them run like you yeah. have to put in and, and the, it really is kind of disturbing uh, you know for what i do think too Absolutely. is like it's none of our business realistically but at the same time you know if, if you see a trend where somebody like china is going in and taking these potentially you know places that run themselves hong kong taiwan you know you can even get out into you know say you know philippines you know whatever korea and you have this country who's going in and potentially abusing people what should your response be is none of my business or you know we don't we don't tolerate that and uh, yeah and i don't know what the right answer is how do you let them become the big world power yeah how do you how do you let them have so much say when they obviously have shown that they care very little about humanity and individual humans like how do you do that and and my guess is that's exactly what they say about the united states is that the United States gets involved in other, you know, countries' politics and shouldn't, and they abuse their economic and military position to get good, you know, trade and treaties with people who then, you know, feel like they can't stand up to the U.S. So I, my guess is they sell themselves as we're going to come to the aid of all these poor countries that are being abused by the United States. And, and I am positive that that's the message that they sent to their people. Yeah. And and that's what I, bothers me is I don't know what the truth is. I have no idea. I just know both countries sound very similar to me. And and what I hope and what I what I believe is that United States is a better actor, you know, a better I think, world I think citizen than China. But I'm just based on Hong Kong alone. I think and East Turkestan. I think oh yeah for sure. Like just those two yeah, things. And, I know that there are flaws in every country and there's a lot of flaws in individuals, but I think those are big things. Yeah, I agree. And I just don't know what our response I know. should be. 
History in the making. History in the making. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm sure new information will start coming out yep. uh, at some point, and we'll potentially change views or learn more or uh, whatever. Uh, but. but thanks for listening with us. Yep. See you, everyone. Bye.